The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive. Some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hi, welcome to the show. My name is Ross Rameen, and this is The Power to Create Yourself. We are coming to you today from Los Angeles, California, at the Rebos Treatment Center, and we're happy to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a great show for you today. We have uh, the world-famous interventionist, Ken Seeley. Ken, I hope I didn't make your head too big by saying that. Um, <laughs> you're, so, you're so fancy. When, we, when I go to the airport with you, everybody knows who you are. Um, but anyway, well, thanks for joining us, Ken. No, thank you for having me, Ross. It's great to Absolutely. talk to you. Yeah, no, I'm, it's, a, it's an honor to have you on here. Um, Ken, you and I, we met four years ago um, at a conference here in Los Angeles, and we were on a panel together, and then our paths uh, didn't really cross for a few years, and then we, re- we reconnected um, in June, and I did one of your trainings. Um, and I know you do a lot of those over the course of the year. And I was so impressed by how you handled yourself and the other people that were in the room and just how how you described your vision for treatment and what it was going to be you know in this industry and I guess every industry you know you hear about other people and you you kind of get little tidbits of who they are or who they're not and then once you actually get them in front of you and you listen to them over two days when we were out in Palm Springs uh, I just you you shine a light on this industry that I don't hear every day and that's a lot of what, what this radio show is really about. I want it to be, I want people to understand what's really out there. There's so much stuff that we hear on a day-to-day basement, day-to-day basis, the nightmares of this treatment industry. Um, what's going on and probably the bigger fact of what's not going on. Uh, so I just, basically I wanted to start from the, kind of the beginning is, where do you see treatment right now? What's going on with it? What are your likes? What are your dislikes with it? Well, first of all, I'm just, you know, grateful that we did reconnect again um, this, this past summer because um, I love your vision and what you see to happen in the in the future around recovery because and, and the treatment industry because, as we all know, there's so many things going on out there that are just so shady and, you know, and we have to really set ourselves apart from from the people doing that stuff because the general public, you know, it's heartbreaking. They, they don't know, you know, they don't know what's shady and what's not shady. They just, you know, have the highest bidder on Google or wherever they do their marketing and they jump into that treatment facility and everything gets destroyed. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really that's for doing the right thing. Yeah. No, it's, it's the one thing that I always find it. It's funny, you, you know, you bring up the Google searches and all that and it's people have no idea. They call me up. They're like, every website says the exact same thing and what's going on. And you really have to lay it out to um, like, this is what we do. And they're like, well, you know, I talked to Susie Q down the road and they say they do the same thing as you. And it's so difficult to talk to these families when they're in such crisis. And it's like, this is why, you know, I, I'll never say that a place is not as good as mine, but I well, I will. I, I'll always say that. You know, their place is fine, but this is why I think mine is better. Um, I try to stay as clean as I can with it, but also really trying to press people. How do you do that when you do your interventions? Uh, you know, you do them. You know, privately. You're obviously on A and E, um, doing them very publicly. How do you? How do you do your interventions? I mean, people don't understand this, understand really what you do. People are constantly asking me, 
Ross, my son, my husband, my wife, my you know, my golden retriever, whoever it is, is in crisis right now. How do we get the family? You know, yeah, their their dog is cussing them out literally. Um, how do we get the? How do you do what you do? What what? How does an intervention work properly? Well, really, it's not about an intervention on the addict. It's an intervention on the family system because um, what they've been doing and supporting the addiction is killing their loved one. And my job is to get them aware of that. And it's hard because, you know, they're not the one using, they're not the one doing the drugs or drinking, and yet they're the ones that are enabling and supporting it. And if they were able to put a line in the sand and stop enabling, they'd get a different result. So it's really, really complicated. It takes four to eight hours, you know, on a pre-intervention to really help them understand what an intervention is because, you know, I always say I'm not intervening on them. Anybody could get somebody to treatment. That's an easy job, but getting the family system into recovery, that's my, that's the hard job. You're seeing a pre-intervention before even that loved one who actually has the, you know, the, who, who's the addict or the alcoholic. You're, you're talking pre-intervention with the actual loved ones. You're meeting with them privately, correct? Yeah, we meet, we all meet the night before, the day before, and we spend four to eight hours and we brainstorm together on what's going to be a motivator to get them not only in recovery, but to stay in recovery. And then the same thing is who's the key enabler. And then we pretty much intervene on the key enabler and create what their motivator is and figure out how to get them to get into recovery because, you know, you, you take a leper to a leper colony, out of a leper colony and treat them and get them better and then they throw them back into a leper colony, they're going to get leprosy again. I mean, that's the yeah. same thing. If we, we don't treat these people, the whole family system, you know, there's no way that the, I mean, how do you expect them to get better if, you know, they go away for 30, 60 days and then you expect them, oh, come home and you're cured. There is no cure for this disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that process alone, at least I've found, is... I mean, yeah, getting somebody into treatment is kind of easy. Talking with these moms or these dads, the moms are tough because they just have so much love. And they just, they, they think they're loving their son, their daughter, even their husbands at times. So much to let them go. Is there a common denominator that you found over the years that's, that people can always, that you can kind of, you're going to go to? That's like, this is what's definitely happening and how you, how you have to, I don't want to say flip it on them, but I guess kind of flip it on them. Uh, is there a common denominator you find? Yeah, I think that it's, it's really hard because, you know, like you said, those enabling moms, and they hate that word, but the reality is that you, you could either support recovery or you could support the disease. And you can't, you can't, it's like I always explain to them, you can't be half pregnant. You know, you're either on one side or the other. So which side are you going to pick? And when you explain it to them that way, it's really, really hard for them to get it. It's just like they feel like enabling is love and nurturing. In all reality, it's a death sentence. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's so true. So how do you explain, you know, one of my questions I love to ask people is, what is an addict? What is an alcoholic? Because what I've seen is, you know, I've talked to people with, you know, they got sober 40 years ago. And it's, it's funny of what is an addict 40 years ago and what an addict is now, especially with all the drugs that are out now, these pills. I, you know, I know you have your treatment center out in the desert. I don't know. I'm, well, I probably do know just because it's kind of a, you know, the common theme. You know, family doctors are lighten these you know these families up on these prescription drugs and they don't they don't look at themselves as an addict they look at themselves as following doctor's orders you know with the difference being where i was almost self-inflicted you know i was in high school i bought a bag of weed because i wanted to hang out with those girls and i want to hang out with those guys and i wanted to go to those parties and it was like i kind of did it to myself um how do you ex- how do you explain what that is? is there a difference do you believe between the two? Um, it, it's, 
For, you know, for the disease mind, absolutely. But in all reality, the disease is the disease. It's, it's been ignited because, you know, that bag of weed could have ignited it. You know, it opened mm-hmm. up that, that gene that, you know, sparks up the addiction or that pill that was prescribed is what ignited it and opened up that gene and sparked the addiction. So really how it's opened up doesn't really matter, but the reality is is when you open it up with a prescription that's written from a doctor and you're following doctor's orders, it makes it a lot harder to tell the disease mind that it's a choice. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm following recommendations. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. So it's not a choice. I'm, I'm doing this because I'm in pain. But in all reality, they ignite the gene and boom, the disease kicks in. And it's the same result as the pot yeah. head that, you know, like you said, buying a bag of wheat, that's how I started, you know, yeah. then goes into the next thing and the next thing and the, the pills turn into heroin. And well, you know the story. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's just a total, yeah, just goes down here extremely quickly. It's so difficult for me, you know, in our staff here, it's when we get these clients and I've got these middle-aged women, uh, middle-aged men, and they're just you know, we're just doing the doctor's orders and then they see this 22 year old who's been sticking a needle in his arm, you know, on purpose doing, you know, just cause that's what he wants to do because he is, you know, either social anxieties or that's, you know, peer pressure, um, either the peer pressure that he's put on himself to be in these groups, uh, you know, these social groups. And then you get these middle-aged people that are, you know, they just, they, they fall into it by accident and then you got to sell them on the whole thing, you know, you didn't mean to do this, but you are an addict. Um, it's a different, it's hard to get them to go to do their aftercare because they think it's just a switch. That's okay. Well, I didn't do it for the same reason as that 22 year old did. They obviously have underlying issues. My underlying issue was my family doctor um, didn't know better. Uh, that's just, it's, it's excruciating to get them over that hump. It's, it's a total, it's a mindset that you have to tackle. It's beyond the addiction. Yeah, you have to take it to the next level. You have to take it to the level of, you know, okay, here's the disease, and, you know, let's go back and do a genogram. Let's look through your family tree and find out who else is addicted. Is there somebody, you know, that has a work addiction, a food addiction, a sex addiction, a gambling addiction, you know, drug or alcohol addiction? Let's do a genogram and point out to them that it doesn't matter which one you're doing, if it's pills or if it's, you know, street drugs, it doesn't matter. And the way I, I kind of like to work with my clients on that is that when you're trying to, you know, work with them and help them understand that it's a choice. If I was going to the doctor and I'm not an addict and I went to go get pain meds, I would say my experience has been people that take those pain meds, they're like, oh, my God, I hate the way they make me feel. I'm never going to take them again. You know, but an addict's like, oh, my God, get me more. You know, that you, that's the difference is, is if you're not an addict, you could take it or leave it. The pain dissipates and, you know, the surgery's over or, you know, you get your back readjusted or whatever the case may be, yeah. and then you move on. You're not addicted but it's just like the alcoholic, you know, you take one drink and then it tastes so good because you're numbing something. If you look at the family tree, there's been some trauma somewhere and the family system has the disease in the system and then it came down to you and then a trauma has ignited that and opened it and now you're in complete disease mode. So that if you could explain it to them that way instead of saying, Here's the difference of the heroin addicts shooting their, their arms or necks in, of injections, and here's the person that's taking a prescription from the doctor. You look at it the other way and say, look at the family tree. You know, is addiction in your family? Yeah. No, that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. I'm actually going to steal that from you because I, I've, never, I've never laid it out to somebody as simple as that. It's, you know, my wife, she broke her back in six spots. She just does not like those pain pills, you know, when they, you know, she got out of the ER and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, she took it because she just, she couldn't see straight without it, but like her body rejected it. She rejected it. It just didn't taste good. It's like a vegetarian having a steak. Like, 
Yeah. You know, I need to eat. I have to have this because there's no other food anywhere. I'm on this desert island. But she just did not want it. It's It was not a... It was not an it was an option because that's what it was um, there. But for me, if I took it, I mean, the first time I had cocaine, it was like this is the sexiest thing I have ever done. I mean, it was instant, absolutely instant. Um, no, that's perfect. That's exactly what it is. Um, Ken, we're going to run to a quick break right now, and then I want to jump in, and I want to ask you how you got involved in interventions. Where, where did this start from? Um, so we'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. This is The Power to Create Yourself. I'm Ross Ramin. We're, we're on with Ken Seeley, uh, the interventionist who's on A&E. You can find Ken at kenseeley.com, and we'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back. This is Ross Ramin, and thanks for joining us. We have Ken Seeley with us today. Uh, Ken Seeley is the famous interventionist from A&E, um, does a lot of uh, he owns a treatment center out in Palm Springs, uh, does a lot of amazing work that I have found getting to know him um, really on the cutting edge. Uh, Ken, thanks for coming back with us. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, you got it, buddy. Um, I, Ken, how did this whole phenomenon start with you in not just, not really the show. I, I mean, the show is one thing, but doing interventions, what, how did you get going with it? And how did you know that you're so good at it? Well, I think it was like uh, in 2099, so 16, 17 years ago, um, when I had 10 years sober. I I didn't work in the field until I had 10 years sober. And um, when I had 10 years sober, uh, I went to work at a treatment center answering phone calls. And um, when people were calling back then, they would be like, you know, how do I get my son in? How do I get my husband in? and I was like, oh, it's like a 12-step call. Anybody could do that. Um, <laughs> and I was so, they used to call me AA squared. You know, I'd always be around the program, people in recovery. Um, so uh, I said, oh, that's easy. I could talk somebody into going to treatment. So I, I talked to his family and I said, I'll be right over. And I drove down to somewhere in Orange County. I can't remember where, where for my first intervention. And I go in and it was... Um, it was a, a Middle Eastern family, and the son was in the bedroom with a locked door doing crystal meth in psychosis, and he had a gun. And the parents were like, just get him out of there. Take him away. We need help. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> yeah, sure, no problem. We'll be right out. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, and he has a walk, no problem. gun? <laughs> sure. This is going to be perfect. Five minutes, I'll be right up. 
So I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So I, you know, I, he, he ran out the back door, got in the garage. He had a BMW convertible. He um, jumped in his car, and I, I went into the garage, and he locked himself in the car, and he's trying to hit the garage door opener and broke it. So after he sat there for a while, and I was like, calm down, I'm here to help you, you know, trying to do my 12-step call, he put it in reverse and went through the door. The door ended up on top of his convertible. Oh. <laughs> it was just a nightmare. The police were coming with helicopters trying to chase him down. So it got a little out of control. So that, that to say was, I was your, over my that, head. <laughs> to, to say you were over your head, holy smokes. So that's your first, that's how you, you broke your teeth, so to say, on uh, doing interventions. What, did you get that guy into treatment? Oh, God, no. Well, he was off and running. He was, it, <laughs> I didn't have the skills. Like I didn't know what street. I was doing. I thought it was a 12-step call. Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> I only charged the family $500, but it was, it was the worst nightmare that I ever, you know, and I didn't know what it was, you know, and then I realized that there was a career in this, so I went to, um, uh, took courses on intervention down in Irvine. Um, then I went to UCLA and took some courses there. And then I went to um, Randy McGraw, who's, you know, he passed away, but he was really well known um, to do interventions. I did his training. Um, I went with Ed Storty, John Southworth. I just surrounded myself around all the best out there um, and learned from the best. And did everything possible to really understand it. And I think the reason why I'm so good at it is because I understand the pain where the addicts at, where they really are in misery. Nobody's happy really using, you know, they say they are, they think they are, but deep down inside, they know something isn't right. And then the family member, that misery that they're in, that pain that they're in, just feeling like there's nothing left for them to do and have the empathy for them and really get down in there and feel that with them. And then from there, gently take them out of that darkness. I, I would imagine, I know when I talk to people, I, I almost have to kind of go back to where I was. You know, I almost have to crawl back down into that hole that I was in to really, you almost kind of have to just, I mean, at least I do. I, I get, it's almost like you kind of just sit down in their, their hole that they have you know, dug for themselves and you kind of sit in there and you, you just kind of talk shop. It's not yep. a, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. You almost have to get down in their dirty bath water and just you sit with them. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't know how else you do that. I mean, to earn their trust that you're not talking down to them. You're not pointing your finger at them that you actually, you have to be firm though. Correct. Yep. I mean, you've got to, you've yep. got to, you can't be, moving in any direction but you also can show a heck of a lot of compassion people must i mean obviously you become a pretty well-known guy when you do these interventions and you meet with the family it's one thing but when you walk into the room with that client their jaw must hit the ground like i mean i've had an intervention done on me and i knew what was happening when i walked into my living room but when you see ken Seely sitting across the room for you i mean People must be like, oh, man, I've really done it this time. I got Ken Seeley in my living room. This is not good. <laughs> do you, when they see you do that, that's a kind of an interesting point, though. Do you, if, they, if you come into that intervention and they see you, because obviously you become a pretty well-known guy, do they just, do they fold right away and do you just, do you grab them and just go, let's, if they're willing to go right now, go? Or do you, what is your plan for that family as you sit in that intervention? I mean, I've seen what you do on TV before, but is there like a, do you still go through with the whole process or hey, if Johnny is ready to roll, do you just, let's, do you spend the extra 30 minutes to go through things with the family and do it out or do you just go? No, no, no. I, I make sure everybody gets the full advantage of the process because, you know, even if they say, okay, I'll go, or mostly they'll say, I know you, I know what this is, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, great. Then can you just give us five minutes? You know, let's just sit down and talk. And then I always, no matter, or if they were to say, I'm going, okay, well, good. I'm so grateful that you're going. Can you at least give your family a few minutes and give them the respect that they deserve for putting all of this together and tell you how much they love you? And I do that for two reasons. 
The first reason is because I want them to hear that it's done out of love and they're not angry with them, that they care about them and they don't want to lose them dying from this disease as 144 people are dying every day in this country and they don't want to be a statistic. So that's the first reason. And the second reason I I have them read it is because I want them to know what the family's bottom lines are going to be. And I want them to hear it from the family so they could really experience what's going to happen if they choose to leave treatment or not be non-compliant in treatment. I want them to hear it firsthand versus them reading a letter while they're in treatment and saying, this is what's going to happen if you get home. Yeah. No, I think it shows a proper respect towards the family, too. And I think it just also reiterates, I mean, just such a, a valuable component that these families are for the long-term success. I mean, yep. just for these, I mean, it's just such a, I, I, I was talking with another um, psychologist and they were saying that if the family's involved, the success rating is, is, is in the upper double digits. I mean, it could be over 70% just by having yep. just the family involved in it. And if you bring both of like both of the parents into it, it even goes up another like 10 points just by yep. everybody being on the same page, just by, yeah, what it's do you amazing. Do for, yeah, no, it's it, it, but it's there's so much to this treatment industry that is so much common sense that is just not being done in the sense of how you give treatment and then actually how you just get sober. It's so mind blowing to me that there is there's just common sense when it comes to this, but it's amazing what common sense you know we just as human beings are able to you know, grab onto and what we choose not to. It's like you see a flame coming off, you know, the stove as a kid, your head, I don't know. I rem- I don't know why, but your head's just like, don't touch that pretty, that pretty orange and blue flame. Like, don't do it, <laughs> you know, but it's like you hear since you've been like since a tiny kid in grade school and you got that cop dressed up as the dog, he's coming over telling you drugs are bad and don't do this. But when somebody puts a weed pipe in front of you or a crack pipe or why don't you stick this needle in your arm by this other 15-year-old person is going to help do this for you. It's like, oh, that seems logical. We'll go do that. Yep. Um, it's, it's just the biggest mystery on the planet. Um, it's mind-blowing. Well, well, that's how you know it's a mind disease because, you know, the, no matter what, the, you know the consequences out there. But no matter what, it numbs that pain of some form of trauma that you've experienced in your life, and you finally feel relief. So no matter what they tell you, when you feel that that sense of relief, you want more and you want more and you want more. You're not going to stop until you can totally numb that out. And I was a speed freak. I liked crystal meth. So my drug of choice was to keep going, 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 but I was still numbed out. I wasn't feeling the, pro- the the traumas or the experiences that happened to me in my past. I was just numbing myself out just to keep going. And you, you set, tell everybody it's fun and, you know, you just don't know how to handle your drugs. And you have all these reasonings of why it's, it works. But in all reality, you're just numbing some form of pain. Yeah. It's it's. And it's weird that what you do, what I do is, I mean, we essentially are selling people on a better life or a life that they deserve because, you know, they've had, as I always say to clients when I speak to them, is your your mind got hijacked at some point, you know, twice, usually by an underlying issue. And then you hijacked it again, you know, once you picked up drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever the addiction is, you've hijacked it again and you have to sell them on a a peaceful life with blue skies and you know butterflies and just no drama and man they just don't they're just like nope i'm not doing it It, it's just like it's such a hard sell but you can give people an iphone with like a yelp app (laughs) and if they can find a cheeseburger anywhere in the world the best cheeseburger and they will take strangers advice on a sushi restaurant, on a cheeseburger joint. I mean, it's amazing what the head just says no to. It's just, it's astounding. The idea that I would have, 
you know, just utter bliss in my life and that cocaine could arguably be one of the best things that ever happened to me just by getting, you know, and I say cocaine being the best thing that ever happened to me. I always say to people, it's if I wasn't a coke addict, I wouldn't have my own company. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't be talking to you right now on the phone. I wouldn't have a radio show. I, you know, I wouldn't have these blessings in my life. You can't, they don't, you, they need proof over, they need proof that they're doing better where with everything else, they'll take some random person's, you know, advice on Yelp because they gave it a five star that this place has got a darn good cheeseburger, um, head over there and people will do it. People will do it. Um, it's, I love, it's just, I love the way you said that though. It's the life that they deserve. You know, that's the heartbreaking part is that they think they're enjoying life. But as you said, you know, all these gifts that were giving, given in recovery, I mean, you can't even put a price tag on it, how amazing your life changes once you get into recovery. So giving everybody the life that they deserve, that's the life you deserve. You don't deserve to live in that misery waiting for your next fix. So you're spot on when you say giving them the life that they deserve. That's what this is all about. 100%. It's... I really find it when people really get into, I always say it's like finding your personal rhythm. When you find your personal rhythm in this world, you know, from through spirituality, I mean, I think this is all just a spiritual solution. Once you become, you know, in rhythm with how your body works, you accept everything that you have going with you, tall, short, bald, you know, you got a flowing, flowing mane on top of your head, whatever it is, you yep. accept what your life is, you're in rhythm with yourself. And these drugs, this booze, they just it totally hijacks them. And then even, for, let's forget about the drugs and the booze. It's the people. You've got your mother, you've yep. got your father who gave birth to you, who created you. And it's hard to believe that they are totally sabotaging your life. That they have, you know, you are living their life, not even your own. And some parents don't even know better. Some parents are doing it on purpose, I think. And some husbands, some wives you know, they're, they're doing it on purpose, but then there's ones that don't even know that they're, that, you know, that, you know, Susie Q, this is your life, not your mom's life. You know, this is what you deserve. This is how you should walk through this world. You know, this is how you should see the world. It's very interesting. Very interesting. What, what sabotages the people really is. Um, yeah, it's amazing, right? I love that. You no, know, it's it's mind blowing to me. It's it's unbelievable. And then people come into our treatment centers. They they hire us to fix their lives. This is my favorite one. I was meeting with a client this morning. I've been gone for a week. They're like, this place is this that, and you know, told me every single you know adjective and verb in the same sentence about me and everything else. I'm like, you hired me. I didn't call you. You called our yeah. phone number to ask for help. And we're telling you how to stop dumping gasoline on yourself because you keep lighting your yourself and your whole life on fire and you're telling me that I'm nuts? It's such a mind twist that this whole game plays on us, on on our clients, on us. It's just it's it's mind blowing. And I think that's a good you know, when we get into our we're gonna run to a quick break right now, but talking about long term treatment and that this isn't 30 days and done. Um, I want to get into that with you and get your vision on that. Um, this is Ross Ramin. This is The Power to Create Yourself. We're talking to Ken Seeley right now. You can look Ken up um, at kenseeley.com. He's got a few different websites for the couple different things that he's involved in. And we'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. 
Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the power to create yourself with ross ramin to find out more about ross and the program visit the rebos treatment center website at rebostreatment.com now back to the power to create yourself hi welcome back to the show this is ross ramin i'm coming to you from los angeles california at the rebos treatment center we're talking today with ken seeley the interventionist and we're talking all sorts of things about drugs and booze and how to get families involved, how to get clients involved, the hurdles, uh, what to do, what not to do, so on and so forth. Ken, when we when we just left to go to commercial, we were talking about you know long term plans for success. The success of this disease is so minimal; it's 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 gruesome. I actually did a, a talk last week when. Um, down in Palm uh, Palm Beach, Florida, at the Breakers, you were at the um, conference down there, and I started off. I started off my talk by saying I don't believe, and I had about five, mind you, I had about five, it's probably about thirty or forty people in the room. I there's about five people that I knew for a fact that owned treatment centers, and I literally said to them, I said I don't believe this is a disease that we're doing in here, and everybody's jaw kind of was like, huh. And I said, the way that we are treating this disease doesn't make it sound like it's a life-threatening disease that kills anywhere, totally depending on the statistic that you read. You said about 150 before. I read a statistic this morning that is closer to 300 people per day. I mean, it, obviously, it all depends on who's paying for the, you know, the statistic. But the way that we treat the disease of alcoholism, addi- just addiction in this country – is just so messed up. And we are, you know, you're one of the few people that I have run across that doesn't want to accept the way we do treatment. It's just, it's not working at all. And I don't know, I don't know what that is. It seems we're doing treatment the same way we did treatment 30 years ago. In a lot of cases, it's a glorified AA meeting. And there's nothing wrong with an AA meeting because AA meetings are phenomenal. It's a proven model. It's great. But that's a meeting. People are paying for services. And I'm seeing so many places that are – their program is so revolved around, well, we have yoga in the morning and we have horseback riding and we have this, you know, know, photo therapy, which is all phenomenal. And they're great. And they're they're wonderful hobbies. But – and it's kind of like majors and minors, like when you're in college, you know, you have a minor and you have a major, but the major is your core. And it seems like, you know, my my core problem when I went through treatment and when the majority of it is not how to ride a horse or how to write therapy, but it's like, I have trauma. I have a social anxiety. I mean, and I speak personally for myself that still exists today. I go to those conferences like I saw you at last week. It blow. I mean, my heart is literally through my chest. I had just such bad social anxieties, you know, and there's a certain amount of, you know, self-esteem issues that I had. Places aren't touching on those. Granted, there are some out there that touch on it, but there's so few that don't. Why is that? And how is that beneficial for, I mean, the way that they're doing it, it's it's obviously proven that it's not long-term based. What is going on? I, I, I don't understand yeah. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, like you said, and you know, and here we are. We're all working in the industry, and we're seeing that the numbers of people overdosing and dying are growing versus the numbers of people in recovery. So obviously, we're not doing something that works. And I love, like you know, seeing you at the breakers and 
two years ago at the Breakers, we started the Independent Coalition of Treatment Providers because we knew what we were doing isn't working. And the two major components that are missing out of traditional treatment that we know that works is an intervention for every client. Every client needs an intervention because even if they're in treatment, you need to intervene on the family system. So the intervention is missing and the long-term case management is missing. Those are the two components where doctors, lawyers, pilots, pharmacists, nurses, they've been getting it for over 30 years and they get an 85% success rate. So if they're getting 85%. So you're talking intervention. So you're talking intervention in the sense that, you know, people watch you on TV and you do that's an intervention. But you're stating even if, you know, Susie Q walks in the doors of Rebos or into your treatment center on Palm Springs, doing an addition like doing another intervention, even if they got them under their own steam, their own will, their own desire, having yep. a sit down intervention with them, regardless, correct? <laughs> Is that what you just said? Well, the reason is, is because you need to intervene on the family system and you need to figure out what their motivation is because a self-admit, if they come into your treatment, my treatment center, you know, they come in, they come in because something upset them in that time frame. So maybe their spouse said they're going to leave them. Maybe, you know, they just got fired from their job or their job said, if you don't go to treatment, you're going to get fired. That motivator dismisses or slowly deteriorates. It's like, it's like goes further and further behind you. But if you put a family system together, create motivation that's going to be consistent for three to five years, that's what gets people into long-term recovery. We don't stay in recovery because everything's wonderful. Something behind us kicks us and says, it's a lot worse out there than it is in here. And if we don't have that reminder like the doctors have and the pilots have with their licensure, our family systems could create that motivation. That's our job as interventionists. We create that motivation and we make it consistent for long periods of time. And then the second part that's missing is the case management. So you leave treatment and you're a doctor, you have a case manager that follows you and says, okay, when you leave treatment, you're going to do IOP. When you're done with IOP, you're going to go to sober living, or you're going to go to a professional group, or you're going to make sure you go to your 12-step meetings, and you're going to have a court card to show me that you have that. So the case manager can, keeps that continuum level of care consistent to five years, and that's why they get an 85% success rate. Yeah. But keeping that family involved for that five years, that can seem like a lifetime to them. That can seem like such a lifetime to them to keep them that involved. You know, it's, it's, uh, no, it's, I've worked with a lot of pilots and they've all stayed sober because they've got that, you know, that psychological gun to their head that if they don't do this, they're going to lose everything. Um, and I guess hopefully we can get the families, of, you know, get the families on board to kind of hold the same type of the same type of level of commitment that the clients need what the client comes into treatment for say 30 days 60 days 90 days whatever amount of time it is what should the family be doing when the when their loved one is in treatment what should they be doing on a daily basis a weekly basis what what, what do you you know you grab their son their daughter husband wife pick up their goldfish, whatever, whoever you're doing the intervention on, what do you tell the families to do then? I mean, I know you get on the phone with them, you do that, but what do they do when they're, because they're not like in a center. Sometimes they do, but for at least the ones that yeah, I get, what do you, what do you have them do? how sick they are. You know, yeah. some families do need inpatient treatment you know, for their codependency. And then other ones, what I always, I kind of break it down you know, gently for them and say, how many hours have you been spending this last year a week on worrying or doing things, you know, for your loved one? You know, how many hours a week? And it's always over 10 to 20 hours a week that they're either worried about them. And I said, I'm asking you two hours a week. All I want is (laughs) two hours and go to Al-Anon. You know, go to Al-Anon, and if they need more help, I'll say, all right, you need three hours, and you need a therapist. 
If they need more help, then you need to go to inpatient treatment for a week. So it just depends on how sick the family dynamics are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a part-time job. 10 to 20 hours a week that they're worrying about somebody else. I mean, that's a real way to break it down. You know, I get so many people that it's, you know, oh, this isn't my thing. You know, you can do whatever they want to do, but there's so much so much juicy information that that family has that they're doing or not really not doing for their for the loved ones or for themselves protecting themselves they don't realize how deep down into this hole that they're in with them um i can't believe how i i don't know how my family stayed out of it i know some of them didn't uh but some of them were were able to stay out of that hole uh, that i had dug that was big enough to fit the titanic in that's for sure um <laughs> it's just mind-blowing to me Absolutely mind-blowing to me. When you get families, another big roadblock that I run into, and it's a constant battle, you talk with these families, you talk about the cost of what you know, what it really takes to get somebody sober, the time that it takes to get people sober. How do you, how do you, how do you lay that out for them? And then how do you keep them motivated? Because people here, I mean, I, I hear of places that are $100,000 a month. I'm not here of them. I know of them. Um, I know of places that are $300,000 a month. I know of places that are five grand a month or they're free. But how do you get people over the dollar amount? How do you, how do you, how, how does that happen? You know, people are like, I'm not doing that. You know, this is, that's crazy. And it's like this, they have a disease. This is like, I mean, this is a disease. It's not like cancer. It's just, it's another disease that is as deadly as cancer or can be as deadly. How do you get them over that? Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest hurdles because I remember, God, 15 years ago when I, you know, 17 years ago when I started doing this, everybody, you know, it was easy back then to get a second on your house. So everybody was had liquid funds and they were paying cash and they were like, I don't care what this costs, we're going to make it happen. And they'd take a second on their house, a third on their house. And, you know, now... You know, fast forward 17 years later, and people are like, I'm only going to do whatever my insurance pays. I I know the gamut, and, you know, I'm not paying anything, you know, and they don't even want to pay their deductible. You know, they're like, you know, that's all I'm going to pay is I'm going to use my insurance, and that's all I'm going to use. And it's heartbreaking, but the the reality is, is that's where we are today. And, you know, trying to help them understand that if they had cancer and they had to pay for some other extra services, what would you pay for? Because, you know, otherwise your loved one's going to die from this. And we're fortunate now because as of March of this year, we got through joint commission, we got case management and intervention paid for through insurance because we knew that was the way things were going. We knew people weren't going to pay. So we had yeah. to figure out a way to get them paid for since yeah. it's part of treatment. Yeah. Money is the ultimate factor, it seems like, when it comes down to what, what people are willing to do or not willing to do. And then, you know, a lot of times people, once they're willing to go to that extra level, you know, their health is totally deteriorated. They've got, you know, X amount of, you know, DUIs or whatever they got going on there, their bag, their 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 baggage, so to say, is piled up so high that they almost got a case of, forget about it, I ain't going to do this whole thing. It's it's a tough sell. It is a tough, tough sell. And then and then also to explain to people that it's not, you know, it's you're selling kind of a, you're selling a better life to them, but, you know, in a better life, there's down days, you know, and there can be really down days. You know, loved ones can die, losing jobs, and teaching them how to stick through it. Like, and, you know, the emotion that you're going to have from it, you don't need to medicate it. Just ride it. Ride it through. And I guess being with the five-year plan, really, just that just seals it up more because you have somebody that's able to walk with you. And I think that's kind of the key of this whole thing. Anything you want to do in this world, it's always nice to have somebody walk with you throughout yep. the ups, the downs. I mean, the ups can be just as deadly as the downs. Yeah, if you have cancer or diabetes, you get a case manager to walk with you and walk through the process. So, 
you know, now we're finally able to do it with this because you're right. I don't care if you got 30 days sober or if you got five years sober, you're going to have bad days. And when those bad days come, you got to be able to know how to handle it. I mean, even with 27 years sober that I got clean now, you know, I, I have bad days and you got to, you got to, you, you got to jump in your toolbox and use the tools necessary to pull you out and know that they're going to pass. I always tell my clients when they get a certain amount of time under the belt, it's great to do one one day at a time. But in some cases, it's I see people, they go out after one day, one bad day, they'll go out. And I tell them, I say, think about it as a business, you know, break it into quarters and really look at your spiritual profitability because, you know, you came into treatment spiritually bankrupt and now you're trying to become spiritually profitable. And if you look at your spreadsheet over the course of, you know, a quarter, you, you see where your lines are going, you know, your profitability lines are going up. And if all in all, you know, you're breaking, you know, you're, you're being profitable in your business, you can keep it open. You've had a couple of days, a couple weekends or days that were slow on business. So why would you go out after one bad day? Um, you wouldn't close your business after one bad day. You know, keep it going a little bit. Um, they go, they, yeah, they seem to bite on that a little bit. Um, I'm talking with Ken Seeley today. He is, you can find him at kenseeley.com. He's the interventionist from A&E and he does a lot of private interventions for people. Ken, I can't thank you enough for joining us today here and I really value you. You have taught me a tremendous amount of information over the last few months. Uh, I can't wait to meet you up again at your next uh, workshops and uh, see you out on the road. Yeah, it's an honor to know you. I mean, I love that you're doing everything right and really pushing to really take care of that suffering addict out there. So thank you. Yeah, I'm working my tail off, and I know you're working your tail off for everybody out there so they can find their personal bliss. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'm Ross Vermeen. Um, Thanks for coming in, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.